Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession this morning is for my uh, Psalm chapter 42, just two verses. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As far as the reading of God's word, that we just sang that God would rest us merry, that he would let us, let nothing dismay us. And yet we must confess that dismay often overwhelms our joy. Uh, Fear overcomes trust. Anger overtakes rejoicing. Silence wins over praise and song in our hearts much of the time. The psalmist here admits to this as a fault. Why am I cast down? I should be hoping, not despairing. Uh, But it will not always be so, as God promises in his word. With a second Advent candle lit, we see the light is growing, and the light will conquer the darkness. So let's confess our own sins before Almighty God. We have a prayer printed in the bulletin to pray today. I encourage you to kneel as you're able. Let's confess our sins together. to our sermon text in Isaiah chapter 40. As I mentioned in our prayer, uh, our neighboring CREC church is using the same text. It happens to be the lectionary text for the day. Isaiah 40, uh, the first 11 verses is the lectionary. I've chosen to read the entire chapter. So let's again read God's inerrant word. Let's pray before we do. Lord God, we give you thanks for this word. Thanks for this opportunity to gather and to worship you together, uh, to hear words of comfort and of joy. Uh, Lord, where there is uh, conviction and rebuke for us, let us not miss that as well, that we may be changed more into the image of Christ than we already have been by you. We give you thanks for the work that you have begun in us. We cling to your promise that you will complete that work. And so uh, give us uh, faith in that as we read this word now. In Christ's name, amen. Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who's measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing, an emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right, my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God does indeed stand forever. And God's people said... Amen. Well, it's a long passage, but there's uh, so much in there. It's so rich. Uh, just a, a brief overview, and then the, the real message that I have for you comes from the chorus in the first hymn that we sang. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Uh, that's the three points that I have. Tidings is the first thing. Comfort is the second point, And joy is the third. Uh, but before we get to those points, just introduction, the, the, the structure of this passage, this chapter, is basically this. The first nine verses, it's all about the news, 
right? It's a voice crying, get ready. And verse 9 especially, get up to a high mountain, O Zion. You're the herald of good news. So the whole first nine verses is all, get ready to give the news. And then the actual news is verses 10 and 11. I believe that's kind of the core of this chapter, 10 and 11, which basically says God's going to come. And he's going to come with might to rule, and he's going to come and gather the lambs. So he comes with might and with tenderness. And that's the main point. And that's the comfort that God's bringing to Israel, that he's going to come. And then from verse 12 all the way to the end, it's really one big question that God has for Israel where he just says, do you think God can't do this? That's the basic question. And remember the context here is the exile, right? Israel is in exile, and God is promising to bring them back. He's promising to come to them and to bring them back to their land. And that raised all kinds of questions for Israel because there were literal mountains in their way when they're hundreds of miles away from their home and and they just walked, probably barefoot and destitute, into exile uh, away from Israel. And they're thinking, how on earth are we ever possibly going to get back? We're, We're captives here. There's mountains in our way. We've got no resources to get back. And so God simply says in the the whole last two-thirds of the chapter, do you think I'm too weak to do this? (laughs) Haven't you known? Haven't you heard? I can give you might. I'm strong. The nations are a drop in the bucket. You know, they're thinking about the powerful nations that just conquered them, right? Well, verse 23, God brings princes to nothing. He makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. I found that uh, compelling as we're thinking through this whole election dispute that's going on. God can raise up and he can tear down. Scarcely is a prince planted, then God blows on them, they wither, and they're gone like stubble. And we tend to put too much hope in earthly princes, it would seem. God says, don't worry about them. My promises are stronger and more secure. So that's the context. That's what God is announcing here to Israel. And so let's go into the three points here. First, news, the first nine verses, and then comfort and then joy. So the gospel itself is news, right? Gospel means good news. And that's what's going on here. The old English word gospel means God's story or good story. And so the angel comes to Mary and to Joseph and brings tidings. Right? Uh, Luke 2, the famous uh, text. Uh, I'd better look it up and let me just quote the, the main thing, right? When the angels appear to the shepherds at night, what is it that they say? Fear not, I bring you good news. The angels bring news. And here in chapter 40 of Isaiah, uh, God speaks and he says, The voice needs to cry. Verse 6 and verse 9, he speaks to Israel and says, You're the herald. Uh, tell the news to Israel. God acts in history, and that makes news possible. That's what news is. When you turn on the news every day, or you check your news feed, whatever way we are consuming our news these days, you're reading things that God has done. God has done these things. He makes many promises to Adam, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Joseph, to Moses, and they all die not seeing the complete fulfillment But it's the same covenant promise that God made to them that we have seen fulfilled in Christ. And in the fullness of time, this new thing happened. Uh, Galatians 4 says, God sent Jesus in the fullness of time. 
Isaiah's big on that as well. He often speaks of God, God says, a new thing I declare. I'm going to do a new thing. Right? The gospel is news, which literally means something happened that didn't happen before, and we want to know what that is. That's why we go to the news so much. Right? And so God sends messengers. Isaiah 6, right? the, the great chapter where Isaiah sees God's holiness. And the very first thing God says, we often focus on the, the, the overwhelming vision of God there, which is right. But what's the first thing God says? Who's going to go for us? Who will I send? The whole point there is the commissioning of Isaiah. Will you go and speak what I want you to say? God sends messengers. Uh, verse 6 in our text is a command to cry out. And Isaiah says, what will I cry? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to say what you want me to say. God sends messengers. Uh, in our um, hometown of Holland, uh, they had, have a tulip time every year. And one of the parades that they have is the Volks Parade, the, the People's Parade. And it's, it comes from a custom where the mayor would either set a time or there, maybe there's a special event uh, where they needed to, to clean the streets Everything was too dirty, or some famous person was coming. And so the mayor would send out the town crier. And so the, the people's parade, I think it's on a Wednesday or a Thursday, every tulip time, would start with the town crier ringing a bell. They found the guy with the loudest voice who would cry out, The streets need scrubbing. The town is dirty. Come out and scrub the streets. And then it was a parade where pretty much anybody could march. You bring a broom and dress up in your Dutch costume and pretend to be sweeping the streets. That's the idea, that town crier idea, right? The mayor sends out the crier for, with a message for the people. There's something that needs to be done. And, and what it is, is, verse 3, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway for our God. That, and the, by the way, the town crier having a bell, that, that's key. Uh, one reason that bells are a traditional Christmas image it isn't just that we hear jingle bells and they sound festive, and it's not just the nice sound. It's because bells get attention. It's because bells say there's news to share, or it's time to gather for worship, It was often the case in the country town at the church steeple, right? The bells are not just something nice to look at and hear. It means there's news. What's the news? So we need messengers to proclaim the news. Uh, and just to apply this point this morning, it's hard for us these days to maintain news, I think. Right? Social media statuses are old and ignored after 12 hours, if that. What does the world want with 2,000-year-old news? We've been conditioned to think that the only news that's worth anything is the new news of today. And throw out yesterday's paper, that's nothing. But no, Jesus told us what news to share when he ascended into heaven. You are my witnesses, right? Go into all the nations and teach them what I have commanded you. So we're called to speak the news about Jesus. That's the first point today, tidings, news. Second is comfort. The first two words of the text is comfort, comfort. Uh, two times in a row, uh, God says, comfort, comfort. He's bringing a theme, and if you, uh, if you examine the structure of Isaiah, you, you kind of see why. Uh, he has this interlude of a couple of chapters 
of history just before chapter 40. If you page backwards and scan a bit, you see Isaiah, Hezekiah, Babylon, um, Sennacherib invading Judah in chapter 36. And then you see um, the ransomed shall return in chapter 35. So Isaiah, at the, towards uh, the end of uh, just before chapter 40, he's, he's turning to a, a, a theme of uh, salvation. But that's because chapter 34 and on, all the way back to 25 or so, it's all judgment. It's all judgment on the nations and on Israel for their sins. And Israel's in exile. They know. It's, you know, to put it in a family setting, it's kind of like the child who's misbehaving at the table. And it's go to your room and think about what you're doing. Right? They're exiled. And now they're in their room alone. And now what's going to happen next? Well, mom or dad are going to come and try to set things right. That's what happens. God comes to Israel in their exile. And is that going to be a coming of judgment, of more condemnation? That's the big question that the child has in their room alone, in time out, in exile. What's going to happen to me when God comes to judge? And Isaiah's God's point to that question, his, his direct response is comfort, comfort. I'm coming to you with tenderness. Your warfare is done, your iniquities pardoned. You've received your punishment for your sins. Comfort is the theme. Because of our sin, because of the misery that results, we need comfort. We don't talk about this often, but we are a hurting people. Uh, except with really close, trusted friends, maybe. We don't often talk about the fact that we are lonely, we're lusting, we're ashamed, we're depressed, we're sick, we're prideful, we, we hurt in so many ways. We need comfort. And Jeremiah 31 uh, has uh, stuck with me this week, that Rachel weeps for her children and she refuses to be comforted. Right? There are times the pain is so bad, you refuse to be comforted. You can't imagine life without that pain. And yet God says in the very next verse, in that chapter 31 of Jeremiah, your labor is not in vain. Your children will come back. There is hope for your future. That's direct quotes from Jeremiah. So, again, God's word is so realistic in addressing our problem, but also in giving us great hope in the midst of it. Hope. Now, there's a sign that you have biblical comfort. You don't have a counterfeit comfort, right? The world offers all kinds of things to numb the pain, uh, from alcohol to Starbucks to distracting entertainments, whatever it might be. But once those comforts are over, you're still where you were before. You still have the problem. The Bible's news of comfort gives true hope because it deals with the problem. And this is news that brings comfort. So what's your only comfort in life and in death? That we're not our own. That we belong to Jesus. That's where true comfort is to be found. And that's counterintuitive to the world. That's counterintuitive to us in our, in our sinful nature, in, in our natural way of thinking. But we think our comfort is found in our independence. In the fact that I can take care of this myself and I'll, take, I'll do it. And I've got the resources and I can, and the Heidelberg Catechism shows us. And Scripture is showing us. Our comfort is in the fact that God's going to come. 
He's going to give us the strength that we do not have ourselves. So comfort is the theme. There isn't much comfort around Christmas time for many. It's more painful uh, without departed loved ones. Everybody else acts happier than you. You're way too busy. And then at church we hear John thunder out, Prepare the way! And, and we read John the Baptist's message the wrong way sometimes. We, we think it's, you better get ready. You've got a lot of work to do to, come, to prepare before God will come and save you. You've got to move mountains. You've got to fill in valleys. Look at all the preparations you have to make yet. Crush, crush, crush. Right? But the whole gist of Isaiah 40, which John fulfills when he comes, John the Baptist, is the opposite. It's comfort. Listen to what it's really saying, that, that last two-thirds of the chapter. Do you think God is too small to save you? I know you're tired and you're worn down, but are your problems too big for God? The nations are a drop in the bucket to him. He can sustain you. He will sustain you. Remember again those mountains between Israel, uh, the land of Israel, and the Israelites in exile, right? They're, they're thinking of literal mountains. They're, there's too much in my way, I can't get there. And that applies to us too, whatever problem, whatever difficulty you're having right now. Uh, mountains of boxes to move, maybe. Mountains of whatever it may be. Uh, whatever obstacle it is, it's not too big for God. So again, uh, what is God going to do in verses 10 and 11? He's going to come with strength. He's going to rule and reward and work. Right? He's going to gently gather and feed the flock. And that's the comfort that we have in this message. Again, it's not just, it's not a sentimental kind of comfort where God just gives us something nice to look at for a season or a nice feeling to have for a, a season. He comes and he fixes what's wrong, right? We're like the infant crying out, helpless, like Israel in exile that cannot get back without God's help. But God comes to us. Like, a, like an infant, he rocks us, he changes us, he feeds us. Uh, Simeon, it, it said in the Gospels, that Simeon, when he sees Christ in the temple, says he was looking for Israel's consolation. The consolation of Israel. Israel needed to be consoled. And that this is the comforting news of grace in Christ. So the angels come to the shepherds, they come to Mary. And every time they come, they, they're, they're always afraid and shocked. And so the first thing the angel always says is, do not fear. Do not fear. Like Jesus in the upper room. Let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Well, two main things. And it's again from verse 10 and 11. The Lord God comes with might. It's Emmanuel. God with us. It's incarnation. This is God in the flesh. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Psalm 23 says. And often, my, my go-to prayer for those who are hurting, those who are in need of healing, whatever it may be, is, is to ask that they would know God's presence. That's, uh, I think, one of the key things we want to pray for people we know are hurting. That's a large part of comfort. Simply knowing God is with us. He's come to us in our misery. This is what Christmas is all about. We have a high priest, Jesus, able to sympathize with us in every way. So comfort. And remember the literal meaning of comfort. I, I learned this from R.C. Sproul years ago. It, it's a, kind of a Latin word that simply means with strength. 
Comfort means strength has come. So again, it's not simply a, a consoling kind of thing, not, a, not only a sympathizing, but coming with help. Uh, beyond God's presence in Christ with us, we also know he came with strength. And that, again, is a verse 10. He comes with might. His arm rules for him. His reward is with him. His recompense. Uh, oftentimes around Christmas, we, we get the main message that Jesus has come to be with us. And that's, that is the, the first thing that God does. But it's not the only thing. And sometimes we get stuck there and stay there. As if it, it, it just solves everything that God decided to, to sympathize with us and put his arm around us. That's important. We need that. But God came to fix the problem we're in. And he does fix it at the cross. Uh, what child is this? That hymn puts that very well. It depicts uh, looking at the manger but then looking ahead from the manger to the cross. Nails, spears, spear pierces him there. And so uh, keep the manger and the cross connected because that's our true comfort. And again, notice also, just to wrap up on the comfort theme, the, the last verses of chapter 40, uh, famous verses we love to read and, and um, draw strength from, right? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This hallmark chapter on comfort ends with strength. You shall walk and run, mount up with wings like eagles. Renew your strength. So comfort involves strength. Comfort involves having strength to go on, to be encouraged. That's what comfort is. And the tidings bring comfort and they bring joy, last of all. Tidings bring comfort and joy. Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid, for she has found favor with God. And what does Mary do next in response, once the angel departs? She sings the Magnificat, we call it. And she says, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. And the whole first theme is about how she's exalting, rejoicing in God. Uh, God says, I'll turn their mourning into joy. I'll comfort them, make them rejoice. Jeremiah 31. Comfort leads to joy. The tidings themselves are joyful, right? That's, again, in Luke 2, when the shepherds hear from the angels, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. That's what it's all about. Uh, I find Luke 1 very interesting. When um, Mary is singing that Magnificat, when she visits with Elizabeth, uh, the the context there is something else. If you remember in Luke 1, the angel came to, to Zechariah first, and he had a hard time believing it. And so he, his mouth was closed. God made it so he couldn't speak until John was born. Right? That, that really puts an interesting twist on Luke 1 verse, where is it, 43? 44. Uh, and, and Elizabeth basically says, let me find it here a moment, uh, blessed are you among women. Why is this granted to me, the mother of my Lord should come? Blessed, it's verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. There might be, maybe be in there a little bit of jab at her husband, <laughs> who didn't believe when the angel came. And she's had, had him not speaking for the last six or nine months. But Mary believed. A little bit of contrast there. It's fascinating. But she believes the good news. And even in that text, John, in the womb, leaps within her 
when, when she hears Mary come. And, and Elizabeth in, interprets that, right? And Elizabeth says, when you came, when I heard you, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The baby in the womb, God makes it possible that that baby leaps for joy to hear Mary's voice. So the nature of the news, the content, what we hear in God's word brings joy. The message of the gospel is the source of joy. We've been delivered. God sent Jesus to fix this mess. No more let sins and sorrows grow. It's like finding a huge treasure in a field. And out of joy, Jesus says, you go and sell everything you've got to buy that field. Because you're so happy at what you found, the treasure that you found, the good news, the gospel. The, the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. Uh, God rejoices over us, Zephaniah 3 says, with singing when he saves us. Uh, so, uh, to apply all that, joy is like light from last week. Remember we talked about light and darkness last week. The unbelieving world can fake the light of the world for a while. Pretend that they've got all the light that they need. Uh, that doesn't have to stop us from lighting up our trees and our houses. But it should give us pause. The externals can be copied, right, and counterfeited uh, without the real deal inside. It is the light of Jesus in you? Is the joy of the news in you. It, jingle bells and wreaths and smiles and songs all express joy. It was a beautiful time last Friday night. I really felt like we were expressing uh, a joyous uh, re re receiving of the gospel as we were singing. Uh, can the world fake it with all those things? Sure. Does that mean we ought to shun them or condemn them? Not necessarily. This is our holiday. It, it's, it's about Jesus. The world may counterfeit it or ignore the real meaning, but why should that steal our joy? We've got the real deal. We should consider when we go through the holiday routines, how is this expressing joy, or how is this giving joy to someone else? Yeah, that's, that's the point of how we celebrate the holiday, uh, to, to bring the gospel to others, uh, to express the joy and the comfort of that gospel together. Uh, hopefully we don't need a season to remind us to be joyful always, but sometimes we do need the reminder. Hey, joy to the world, remember? As we're running around, look, our chickens with our heads cut off, preparing for things, right? Sometimes we get lost in the preparation and we forget the joy. Well, what do we do with this in conclusion? Uh, again, tidings, comfort, joy. Uh, tidings first, just one brief application. Uh, we have news to share. Just as the angels, just as God here in Isaiah 40 brings us news, we have news to share. We need to pass it on, as the, the song says. And so it may be helpful, as you think about that, as we think about evangelism, being a, a witness to others around us, it may be helpful to think about it as not persuasion, but declaration. We've just got something to tell, right? That, that may help in interaction with unbelievers if you're anxious about that at times. Your calling isn't necessarily to persuade them, but to tell them what is true. You know, when we fail to convince somebody else of the gospel, are we guilty before God? Probably not. God is sovereign over that, right? We, we leave the effectiveness of the persuasion to Him. Uh, but if we fail to speak at all at the right time, that may be a problem. We're called to tell the news. Just say it. Go tell it on the mountain. Everywhere, right? 
God is real, and so is our sin and guilt. God sent Jesus to deal with that. That's kind of your 10-second elevator speech right there. It's, it's real, God's real, our sin's real, but God sent Jesus to fix that. And that brings joy. That results in forgiveness, the fruit of the Spirit. So tidings means we've received news. We need to go tell the news to someone. Uh, comfort is the second thing. Uh, comfort, here the, my application point is simply receive it. Uh, don't be like Rachel who refused to be comforted. Uh, and, uh, and find times, notice times in your life or in your friends' lives, families' lives, where people are refusing to be comforted. And that's a problem. And that needs to be dealt with. Maybe only the Lord in the Spirit can do that. But it's important for us to receive comfort. God wants to give it to you. Again, one side effect of sin is that we want to be independent. Like Adam and Eve wanting to be apart from God, not needing God in the garden. I'm not talking about political independence here. We, we treasure our independence from other nations. That's a good thing. That's a separate thing, you see. We, we, wanting to be independent from God is the, is the root problem. That, that's the problem. So don't seek that independence. Seek comfort and help from him instead. When we try to make it on our own, God is offering help. And we have to receive that help. And last of all, uh, on joy. Uh, the Bible is replete with commands to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. That's Paul writing from prison. <laughs> so he's in prison, literally. You know, we, we've been talking recently about uh, faithful pastors like John MacArthur who might find themselves thrown in jail for just having a worship service, right? And MacArthur's like, hey, that's great. I haven't done a jail ministry yet. You know, that, that's an encouraging kind of posture. And it's Paul's posture. It's like, hey, I'm in prison. I can still sing hymns, and now I've got a captive audience, and I can rejoice even here and write letters to the church from here. I've got all, all the time I... I need, I can't make my tents anymore. More time to write letters. And the New Testament results. Rejoice always. Right? And it's a command, notice. It's a command to rejoice. It's like the command to love one another. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Well, then you don't start there in your emotions. You go back to your mind. Do you know the news? Because the news, by the fact of what it is, should make you happy. <laughs> often our, our sin or our troubles get in the way. God has spared you from the wrath of, from his wrath by giving us his son. Let that reach your heart so that you are amazed, so that uh, your heart prepares him room when he comes again. Jesus' coming is news that brings comfort and joy, people of God. Let's go to him in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, you've uh, given us uh, such encouragement in your word, uh, comfort when we have gone through difficulties, uh, painful truth even, uh, to point out our sins that have brought difficulties upon us, uh, forgiveness for those sins in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would uh, strengthen those who are weary, that you would uh, show us uh, the ways in which you have come to us. Uh, thank you for sending us your spirit, for giving us means of grace to use, uh, worshiping you in this way, 
reading your word uh, together as families. Uh, Lord, you have given us so much, and we pray that you would indeed strengthen us, comfort us, rejoice our hearts at the great good news uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name that we would sing as he talks to Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel comes and gives Joseph news of comfort and joy, too. He doesn't know what to do about Mary. He had this ideal life planned, but now he has to think about divorce before he is ever fully married. The angel brings comfort with the strange but true news that Mary is not at fault. God did this. It's enormously comforting to see your way clear through a difficult situation like this. And the Lord's table is meant as a means of comfort. Whatever difficulty you're going through, this bread and wine, this worship service, it is not meant as a distraction from your difficulty, uh, just leave it behind for a while kind of thing. No, this sacrament shows your way clear through the difficulty by showing you the God who is with you through it, who takes you through it. This brings comfort. It also brings the joy of salvation. The Hebrew for uh, Jesus, the name Jesus, is save. Call him Jesus, the angel says, because he's going to save his people. We have a savior. Here we see how Jesus saved us by sacrificing his own body and blood at the cross. And here we also see the joyful result of Jesus saving us as we sit together, eat together, live together in love and joy and peace. So may we know Christ's joy and comfort through his word and through his table here today. The spirit and the bride say, come. All those baptized in Christ's name and in good standing with the church are welcome at his table. Come, for all things are now ready. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.